Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm your host, Greg, as always. Hopefully everyone's doing well today. I'm a little groggy, <laughs> if you can't tell from the sound of my voice. Uh, last night, WoW Classic came out, and I stayed up all night playing it, uh, which was kind of fun. You know, that, To me, that kind of brought me back. That was part of the experience for me, was, uh, was those all-nighters and was the uh, drinking way too much caffeine, staying awake, having it be quiet. Like being the last one on, you know, the first one, unfortunately not the first one on, but I wanted to be the first one on and then the last one off. But we'll get to why about that in a minute. And uh, and it's a lot of fun, you know, it's the game that you remember, I guess. Like I don't have any rose-colored glasses when it comes to the original World of Warcraft. I think it was an amazing game. It's it's up there in one of my all-time favorite games, if not my favorite game of all time. I played it for many years. It's really good, um, and obviously they've made a lot of quality of life changes over the years, which aren't in this version. And so, it, you know, it is rough. It's a little rough sometimes being like, oh yeah, I can't do this. Oh yeah, I can't do that. Oh, they don't have that anymore. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. This wasn't in the game yet. Yada yada. And so that that kind of sucks sometimes. <laughs> um, but it's not that bad. I actually uh, I actually think it's quite nice, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, so the first thing we're going to talk about, and uh, so I've, I've got everything queued up. We have a listener question today. I have my pickup pile of the week, and I have my game of the week set aside already, so we're all good to go there. We have three different stories we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the, the WoW Classic launch issues, which we're going to go into first here. Then we're going to talk about uh, Iron Fury. Um, there's uh, the developer, I believe, Viewpoint, if that sounds right. Um, and... Uh, Basically, they uh, they they ran into some some issues with some content in their game, and then uh, an interesting twist. Uh, a developer of a of a game called Dark, which Jordan reviewed and loved, uh, that developer revealed some interesting tidbits about the Epic Store and some of the Epic Store's um, exclusivity and how that all works. So it was a neat little peek on the inside, which nobody's really offered yet. So that was that was pretty cool. Uh, so those are the three stories we're going to talk about. The first one, though, is going to be World of Warcraft Classic and uh, and uh, the immense wait time. So here we go. So first up on the podcast today, we're going to talk about World of Warcraft Classic, which, uh, again, like I said earlier, I stayed up all night playing. <laughs> I'm running on very little sleep, which is kind of why I'm a little more groggy than I usually am. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's great. Love the game. However, uh, we've got a little bit of an issue with login and queue times. So, uh, I, I logged in about 15 minutes before 5 PM because they were letting people log into the character screen to get into line. And then a button would pop up saying, join the server. It was actually really ingenious. So you didn't have to have everybody jump on and have the servers crash all at once. Really smart move on their part. Um, 15 minutes before I had a 6,000 person queue that I was waiting and it took me two hours to get into the server. Two hours when I got there 15 minutes before it was starting. So I didn't get to play as long as I wanted to. And I was really disappointed by that. You know, and I had another friend, uh, Jeremy, actually from the drop rate, he got in and so he was playing and I was like, man, I really want to play. I want to play with these people. It's had the whole point. Right. And, uh, and so it was, it was frustrating, a little frustrating. Um, but I, I obviously, ran through the the two hours and then as i was looking up the story it seems like some people had some queue times that were much much longer and much more egregious <laughs> this realm thirteen thousand seven hundred thirty six. 
Uh, my friend Sam, she was trying to log in and she was in 16,000. And I saw a picture online, which I can't verify to be true, but it showed a 25,000 person queue to get in. It was about a four hour wait to get in four or five hours. It is insane. Um, and not not the demand of the game. In fact, that was quite understood. But what I guess I don't understand once again is Activision Blizzard's inability to understand their fan base and their customers. Because this just seems like one of those things that was a no-brainer. You know, they, they did something smart, and about a week or two ago, they opened it up so you could make up to three characters on a server. And that was smart because it gave them an idea of how many people re-upped their subscription just to play the game. And so that was good. That was a good little early test, you know. However, they didn't take into consideration the people that weren't paying early for their WoW subscription because I realized that after I did it was that I just re-upped my subscription two weeks early. They got me. The suckers got me good. Um, but uh, so, so I queued up early. A lot of people didn't do that. And then by the numbers they had, they apparently already estimated there were going to be 10,000 person waits on some servers. So they actually hit that on the head pretty close. And they had servers in uh, ready to go. They up they, they opened up new servers almost instantly. But that didn't help the people that created characters, got their name reserved early, which was a big thing they were selling to get me to re-up my subscription two weeks early, remember? And so we do that. And, and now we're on a server that we're invested in. We have the character names we want. Most of us remaking characters from our old World of Warcraft days. It's kind of the whole point. And, um, yeah. And so we don't want to go to a different server. And so hopefully, uh, which eventually happened, and, and as I played late, late into the evening, early into the morning, I saw less and less people playing. In fact, right now I just logged in with no queue whatsoever. So I understand <clears throat> that you can't just have a server load all at once like that. You can't open it up and let 100,000 people log into a server at once. You'll have chaos crashing. Your beginning zones won't even be able to house the players. They won't be able to finish quests, which actually was already happening. Um, I had to just team up with people to get kill quests done because people were just camping mob spawns and as soon as something popped up, people would tag it and it was over and I'm playing my rogues so I don't really have any range. That throwing knife is just really, really slow in the beginning. And so, yeah, it was it was rough. And and I guess, again, I'm, I'm very happy for the game. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm happy that Blizzard listened to us when we said we wanted it. But it's it's interesting how you go from people want it and they tell us, no, you don't want it. Then they tell us, okay, we'll do it for you since there's a private server out there with almost a million users on it. Then they do it, and they still don't believe that we're going to have a ton of people interested. <laughs> and so then they don't make enough servers right away. It's just so interesting to me. And and here's another issue, though. So now you've, you add a whole bunch more servers. This is, I believe World of Warcraft Classic is going to fizzle out fairly quickly. You'll still have full servers, but will you need as many as you needed day one? No, and that is a tough problem, right? Because you can merge servers, but if you merge servers, people have to replace their names. Um, things have to be changed. It, it, you know, it's not as easy as just putting two servers together and doubling a population. So I understand their plight a little bit there. You know, I get it. It's just frustrating. And so that's that's just my only thing. Is I just feel like from the very beginning, like when the idea of WoW Classic was conceived, they didn't have their head on straight with it. And, and again, this is a massive undertaking, and so I take nothing away from the developers that made this work. Apparently, it was a huge hassle 
trying to find old code that hadn't been modified, revert changes back, or basically make a server with settings that were similar to the old days. And that's really probably what it was that took the longest, um, you know, and then successfully launch it. But again, I, I would love to see the numbers on how many people re-upped their WoW subscription just because of this game. And I, I would I would venture to say it's probably very, very many. <laughs> I know I did, my wife did, probably 10 to 15 people in our guild did just to play WoW Classic. And so that's, you know, that that's smart on their part. Um, <clears throat> but I would have liked for them to anticipate popularity and the tough part is they're they're loving it right now i hate to say it they're loving the fact that people can't play their game and that there's weights and and like like that's the thing you want to be you want to be the holiday toy that everyone's waiting in line to buy you get all this free coverage you get people like me talking about it and the people are people like word spreads about it and so i get it i get that it's not necessarily a negative for blizzard um but i think I think as a fan, it just it seems like this is just more of Activision Blizzard just really struggling with their fan base and understanding it. It even goes back to the Diablo announcement, Diablo Immortal announcement. You know, all you had to do was after you announced that, show a trailer for Diablo Four. Even if it was just a logo, the D four like like they did it with Elder Scrolls Six. Bethesda did it at E three last year. It's like just you have to give us something, <laughs> and. So, um, you know, you just don't understand your fans, why they wouldn't be happy with a mobile Diablo game when they're all were born on the PC and that's where they've been playing this since forever. And so, you know, again, just, just, I would like them to understand their customers a little bit better. Uh, all in all though, the game is really fun. Um, I, there was some interesting things I noticed when you have a lot of wait times and you have like boss mobs that you have to kill that only spawn every five minutes or so. Sometimes the respawn rates were really high, and we were seeing uh, areas just flooded with monsters. So they were tweaking this stuff on the fly or trying to. <clears throat> and then the named bosses, there was actually lines forming outside some of these. It was in- it was insane. And then you'd have five people get together in a party, and then if you kill it, you get the credit for it, and you move on. Very weird stuff, though. So, But I found myself randomly partying with people. It was weird. It brought back, like, like normally I would just play World of Warcraft by myself unless it was with people I know. But I I would be out there and someone's killing Scarlet, you know, Scarlet Crusaders outside of Scarlet Monastery or something. I'm like, hey, I need those too. Party up. And he's like, sure. And then the two of us just busted through the quest faster than we would have done it solo. <clears throat> and uh, so it worked. You know, and it, it works fine. Um, the two-hour wait did disappoint me, and I almost had that moment of, Maybe this is it. Maybe you know I shouldn't just play this because if this is how it's gonna be, forget it. Like I had that moment. I had that moment, but I stuck through it. I waited through. I think I waited like two two hours to get in. Got in, and I got to play from seven thirty until about four thirty in the morning. So uh, that was pretty good. That was that was a good work. Uh, it is it is a slow grind. I gotta. In fact, I'm gonna I'm trying to get this podcast finished so I can get back on it and spend most of my day today doing it. So, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's fun. I definitely recommend checking it out. It is fun if you liked original Warcraft, World of Warcraft. It is fun, and you will like it. It is the original game. I'm excited to get to world PvP areas. Uh, I leveled my rogue for just such a reason. (laughs) So when I see Alliance, I can jump them, (laughs) and I will kill them. Uh, And it's been fun. And also reconnecting with the old guild. You know, I set up a Discord server for our guild, got the guild made last night, and uh, that's great. And and so there there it is it is tugging on that nostalgia string which you would want it to like that's all fine just the technical hiccups in the first day it was out, but you know that's I guess to be expected. But I feel like we're getting to the point where they have enough data where they should be able to anticipate these just a little bit better.
All right, and then let me close out that window and that window. And all right, we're going to rock uh, right into the next story. So next up on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about Iron Fury developers and and kind of a weird uh <clears throat> a weird back and forth, I guess you would say. So, uh it is a uh, viewpoint, I believe is yeah, void point, excuse me, I'm sorry. Void point is the studio behind Iron Fury. It's published by 3D Realms, so it's and it's very similar in the vein. If you look at this picture here, it is very similar to those old shooters, Duke Nukem, Wolfenstein, Blood, some of those really <clears throat> interesting ones that uh, that had some really cool looking graphics. It's a good throwback to the '90s, and so as people were playing the game, uh, I'm going to go through the article here. This is on PC Gamer, Andy Clark, Andy. Andy Chalk, excuse me, Andy Chalk. Um, it's Iron Fury's launch has been something else entirely. Just after its release earlier this month, transphobic and sexist comments made by a couple of developers in the Iron Fury Discord were discovered and shared publicly. Developer Voidpoint initially tried to defend the comments as being taken out of context, but then homophobic language was found within the game itself. The use of the word F word for derogatory term for homosexuals, bag. And an in-game item labeled Ogay, which is apparently a play on Olay, the bath product. Following that, Voidpoint and publisher 3D Realms issued statements apologizing for the behavior and content. 3D Realms told Eurogamer that the company, quote, has taken pride empowering marginalized groups as evident by our strong female protagonist, Shelley Bombshell Harrison, and the makeup of our team, <clears throat> end quote. And that going forward, all contracts with developers will include terms which would allow us to sever relationships if a contractor does not abide by our zero-tolerance policy for hate speech. So uh, what, what Epic is basically saying here was that in their contracts right now, they can't really do anything about it. They can't pull the game. They can't make the game be edited because it's not in the contract. But they said, hey, we're going to learn. We're going to say that we, we will put these in future contracts. If we want to publish your game, you have to abide by our standard of quality of what we expect the content to be. Okay. EA has the same sort of thing. You know, um, Nintendo has the same sort of thing. Uh, there, there, there are standards sometimes that people and images that companies want to uphold. And that's fine. And that's fine. That's, that's very, very welcome. That's very fine. <clears throat> uh, carrying on, following that, Voidpoint and publisher 3D Realms issued statements apologizing for the behavior and content. 3D Realms told Eurogamer uh, that they took pride. We talked about that already. Um, and Voidpoint's apology was more full-throated. Quote, we recognize these statements are insensitive, unacceptable, and counterproductive to causes of equality. We unequivocally apologize both for these comments and language as well for any pain they have caused to the gaming community, particularly women and members of the LGBTQ community. We take full responsibility for any damage that has been done to the relationships we worked so hard to build. Moving forward, Voidpoint will institute... <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Moving forward, Voidpoint will institute a zero-tolerance policy for this type of language, and all employees and contractors will undergo mandatory sensitivity training. As part of our efforts to contribute to the work that must be done to further support these communities, we are donating $10,000 from Ion Fury's release date proceeds to the Trevor Project. We are also patching Ion Fury ASAP to remove all unacceptable language. End quote. Okay! Hey, end of the story, right? Everything's all happy and good. Hey, someone said something stupid... They put like a little something inappropriate in a game that, to be quite fair, is inappropriate in a lot of its content. And and that's it. And they said sorry and they walked away, right? And then they said sorry and they took it out. End of story, right? 
Well, of course not, because it wouldn't be much of a story. <laughs> we wouldn't be talking about it if there wasn't more to it. So, the article goes on to say, Not everyone saw this as a fair outcome. Review bombs came flooding into Steam, simultaneously praising the game and castigating the developers for responding to criticism and engaging in quote-unquote censorship. That should say quote-unquote self-censorship. <laughs> the numbers weren't massive. Iron Fury isn't Metro Exodus, but it was enough to pull recent user reviews on Steam to mixed, although overall it remains at mostly positive. <clears throat> so they put some inappropriate stuff in the game or some insensitive stuff in the game, I, guess, I, sh I should say. The publisher doesn't like it. The developer comes out and says, we don't like it either. We're going to take it out. That should be the end of the story. That should be it. However, apparently they start getting review bombed for censorship of their own game. That's not really a thing. You can't really censor your own game. It's not censorship. It's, 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 I don't know, editing. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Like, it's not censorship if you do it to yourself, is it? It's kind of strange. Um, the review bomb has had the desired effect, however, as this morning, this is where it gets really good, Void Point and 3D Realms issued a joint statement saying that the Ogay item will not be removed after all. Okay. <laughs> this is just like a PR bungle. I can't even, there's no other word for it. This is a bungle, okay? If you're going to put some of that in the game and you want to stick by it and be like, you know what, we find this humor funny. We're not trying to cater to the LGBTQ community. We're looking for um, this certain type of gamer that thinks that's funny. You know, there's comedians that do that too. Like there's certain comedians, Anthony Jeselnik uh, comes to mind, Bill Burr come to mind, where like they, they are unapologetic in any joke they make. They'll just make it and they don't care about the follow because they have nothing to lose. You can be a developer that says that. You can say, look, we're going to make inappropriate stuff and we're just going to say what we want to say. And if you don't like it, then you don't watch it. Or you won't play our games and that's fine. But that's just, that's this is how we are. But they didn't do that. They went back and they said, whoa, whoa, we are sorry. This is bad. Like we should not have done this. We feel terrible. We're donating money, okay, to a, a charity to show how upset we are at ourselves for making a mistake. Yes, you'd agree. And then, Ah, uh, you know, after these review bombs started coming in, ugh, I don't like it. Uh, you know what? We're going to leave it all in there. It's all, all things aside for whether or not it's a tasteless, uh, ridiculous, like stupid, quite frankly, stupid and not funny item or joke. It's a that's a terrible like if you're going to make that item in the game and have some sort of like homage to something like that or make fun of something like that. There's a million better ones you could do. Like that's that's just a bad joke, you know? Besides all that, though, this is just a PR bungle where you, you, you say something, you go and then and then you, you make a mistake, you apologize for it. But then you take the apology back. That's terrible. And then and then now when people don't like that, they are taking the apology back. Are they going to apologize again? <laughs> where, where does it stop? Um, OK, so these are the uh, these are the uh, the comments from. The developer and the publisher <clears throat> quote we've caused a recent controversy suggesting ion fury game content to be censored we will absolutely not be censoring ion fury or any of the other games now or in the future including but not limited to by removing gags such as gaming's most controversial facial watch okay again that's just like that's just 
It's just, it's not a good joke. It's just bad. Uh, they go on to say, uh, this was, ep so that was Void Point. This is epic. We do not support censorship of creative works of any kind and regret our initial decision to alter a sprite in the game instead of trusting our instincts. 3D Realms and Void Point stand together on this matter. Okay, okay. The statement said nothing about the status of the promised donation to the Trevor Project, a nonprofit organization dedicated to suicide prevention amongst LGBTQ youth. But Void Point said on Twitter that is absolutely still donating. The studio also said that it sees no incongruity between donating to an LGBTQ charity while refusing to remove homophobic content from Iron Fury. In subsequent tweets, the studio said that the F-bag term used in the game was a legitimate error by a developer who lives in a non-English speaking country and will be removed. Um, it is The article goes on to say it's unclear what F-bag could mean in another country, but um, the F-word does mean things in the UK that are different from, from how they're used here. Uh, so it could be like a cigarette holder. I mean, again, that's I'm I'm really stretching here for that. Okay, I'm really stretching for that, but it's possible. Um, it also said that O'Gay is not homophobic and implied that it was forced to walk back its promise to remove the content after a PR firm tinkered with its initial apology. So uh, I guess this is one thing I do want to say, and this is tough because. Again, I commented already how I think it's just a bad joke and it's tasteless. It's not not funny. But I don't think that having a shampoo bottle that says O'Gay instead of Olay is homophobic. I think I think we need to, when we're battling things like this, we need to use proper terminology. And so to say that it's not it's not homophobic, the idea of hating something because um hating people because they're homosexual or being afraid of someone because they're homosexual and then anger comes from the fear, that would be homophobic, right? But what we're talking about here is a really bad joke. And this is like one of those frat boy, it's funny, play on words kind of joke sort of thing. And and there are people who like that, and that's fine. And I don't care that the developer wants to do that because then it's up to us as customers to not want to support a company that thinks that's funny. you know. And, and again people always run the freedom of speech thing, you know? And, and again, I, I have to say for like the billionth time I've said on this podcast, but freedom of speech is not freedom from consequences for your speech. It, it means you can't be prosecuted by the government for saying something, but it doesn't mean that if you make a game and put something offensive in it, that people aren't allowed to not buy your product and call you out on something that offends them. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that are arguing right now that everybody gets offended by everything, but we're also in a, in a, the internet has made everyone anonymously able to to say things they would probably not normally say to someone's face. So you have an influx of horrible things being said. So of course you can have an influx of people being offended. It's just like it goes hand in hand. I don't, you know, it's just it's the the horrible internet. Um, so uh, they go on to say uh, this this tweet devs cut slash modify content all the time from games based on how it's received during playtesting. You obviously do this too. Why is it only censorship when the thing removed is offensive? Does every terrible joke have to stay in as soon as someone makes them? And Void Point replied, we came up with an unoffensive joke we liked better, but the PR company responsible added an entire extra sentence to our original apology statement that made tons of customers think we were censoring the whole game. All we could do is come out and say no censorship. So they're almost arguing that 
people thought they were censoring the whole game, not just taking out this one terrible reference and this one non-funny joke. I'm going to keep saying that, just not funny. Uh, it's, it's just really not funny. And so they said they had to come out really strong and say it's not being censored because they were worried people thought the whole game was being censored. Mm. Eh. Eh. I feel like that's a stretch. I'm just going to be honest. I feel like that's I feel like I'm stretching out a lot here today. That's a stretch. Uh, 3D Realms has also issued a statement indicating that it stands behind Voidpoint's new position. It acknowledged that the joke was made at the expense of LGBTQ community and said that such things will not be tolerated in the future unless apparently enough people think it's funny and cool. That's a little tidbit from the article right here. Quote, we at 3D Realms spoke with Voidpoint today and they reaffirmed their commitment to honoring their original statement, including the donation to the Trevor Project and sensitivity training. However, the soap bottle will not be removed. Uh, the use of the word F-bag in an area that was inaccessible without hacking the game and was added by one developer without approval from anyone else was removed a few days ago. We once again apologize for this text as it does not reflect the values of 3D Realms or Voidpoint. It goes on to say, quote, jokes at the expense of marginalized communities will not be present in future games published by 3D Realms. However, a portion of our community made it loud and clear they felt removing O'Gay was censorship and should be protected by free speech. Void Point wanted to listen, and we respected this decision. End quote. Uh, I really don't get that at the end there. Like, all 3D Realms had to say was, you know, in the future, we're going to keep a better eye on our developers and make sure we have control over this sort of content. But to go further to say that a portion of our community made it loud and clear they felt like removing it was censorship? Ugh, ugh, just come on the game's not better because it has that okay thing in it you know i that's what i think bothers me about this and it'd be different if if they said after a mass shooting uh the developers took out all killing in a game like this and you'd be like wait what and you're like oh you just shoot them and they just they go to sleep you have a, sh a sleep gun and you're like actually the game would probably still be fun but you know uh, it, like that is the sort of thing that would be like a monumental change to the base and core of a game. However, there's nothing, it's not like that here. Like this is nothing. This is so inconsequential to the quality of the game. It makes no sense. Um, and so this is again, more than anything, it's a PR bungle. So apparently what void points saying, just to get to the bottom of it here, that the PR company they worked with sent out the statement they created and added a word that included the censorship thing. Then when all the negative reviews started coming in, they had to come out and clarify, no, we're not censoring the game. And then people said, well, does that mean you're going to take, you're not going to take out the thing? Like, uh, well, yeah, I guess if we're not censoring it, then we're not going to take out that thing. I mean, it just seems like they got trapped, you know? And, and I, I can understand that situation, you know, uh, foot in mouth sort of situation, but yeah, that's just bad. That's just bad PR. That's a, that's, that is a last time I'll say it. That is a bungle. Uh, and so they're going to pay for it, uh, literally with losing sales because this whole thing, and this whole thing blew up into something probably more than it should have been. Um, but again, I, I mean the F bag thing, if it was an, it was in an area inaccessible without hacking the game. Okay. Still not cool. And, and even like, like there's already people that have made like off, like off jokes in the discord and stuff. So, you know, that there's people there who are going to act like that. I mean, look at the story we did about Qua uh, quantic, you know, and like, David Cage there everyone's like oh your games are amazing you're an artist and then they got all those people sending around pictures of like photoshopped 
heads on like Nazi bodies and stuff like like that stuff happens. You know, there is kind of a uh, there is kind of a um, what do I want to say? There's like a uh, there's a culture there that that some people find that funny. And it's, you know, I don't want to say a boys club because I don't think it's exclusive to men, but it's definitely the majority. And uh, and they think that stuff is funny. And, and, and not that it can't, you know, I'm a firm believer that almost anything can be funny, but you have to make it funny, you know, like just being, uh, like something like that's such a bad joke. Like you took the, the label for a product called Olay and you changed it to Ogay. I mean, that's just, that's just not funny. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't say it either way. It's just not funny. Um, and it's, it's stupid and they should just take it out and then be like, you know what? We took it out of the game because we realized it wasn't funny. But we'll replace it with something more funny. And then be a little more creative. Be, be funny. That would land better if it was actually a funny product. Like, okay is just like, that. we call that low-hanging fruit in the business. That's low-hanging fruit. You just, it's not hard to get to. It's easy. So you take it. All right. And we're on our last story here. I think we're going to get started. Uh, we're going to get started right away. All right, so next up on the podcast today, we are talking about the Epic Game Store again. Uh, and more specifically, the developer of a game called Dark, D-A-R-Q, which Jordan reviewed on this channel, so definitely check it out. Uh, he loves the game. He thinks it's great. Uh, I definitely want to play it. It's on my list. It's on my very, very long backlist. I want to play it. Uh, but a really interesting, they kind of opened the door to the Epic Game Store. And this happened over a week ago, but I didn't, it, I didn't get a chance to talk about it, and I want to talk about it now. So it's a little late, but... He talked about why he turned down the Epic Store exclusivity. So there's actually two parts to this. There's one, there's, I want to give this dev a little bit of a shout out because I think they did the right thing. I think this developer really understood uh, the position that they're in. And I'll, I'll get a little bit more into that later. Uh, but two, we learned a little bit more about the Epic Store. And, and, and I am not an Epic Game Store hater, okay? I think it's silly to refuse to buy games that are on the Epic Game Store. And so I don't like that. I, I, I don't like the idea of that. Uh, I'm not a big fan of their exclusivity practices, like snatching games up from Kickstarters and, uh, you know, trying to get these big exclusives when they've already been promised, like when Metro was already promised to be on Steam. Other games are promised to be on Steam and then get yanked because, you know, or Kickstarter, Shenmue 3 was, was going to be on Steam. Uh, people had backed it for a Steam key, and they're like, oh, it's on Epic Game Store only. And you're like, well, that's, that's BS. I didn't kickstart this for an Epic Game Store key. Now, in my opinion, just deal with it. Um, however, because here, here's the thing. I do think that Epic Game Store needs to do something drastic to take market share away from Steam. And it does do some good thing for some developers. Uh, some developers need this. And we'll talk about one in particular uh, later on in the video uh, or on the podcast here. But, you know, it's, and it's not, again, not for everyone. In fact, the dark developer says as much later on. But they have done good things for some developers. They've helped certain developers that to make more money than they could have to get their games through. Um, again, I don't like the practice of, of this like exclusivity when something was already promised on another platform, but I can understand why some developers would take the safe money, I guess. Right. So anyway, let's get into the story and, uh, and let's hit it. Um, okay. So the developer of horror filled puzzle game, dark, turned down an Epic Game Store exclusivity deal he revealed this week and has called on Epic to allow indie games to sell simultaneously on the store and via Steam. Epic contacted uh, Walad Marhalitz. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, my dude. 
the solo developer behind Unfold Games three days after he had revealed Dark's Steam release date. On July 30th, I was contacted by the Epic Store proposing that I enter into an exclusivity agreement with them instead of releasing Dark on Steam. They made it clear that releasing Dark non-exclusively is not an option. I rejected their offer before we had a chance to talk about money. So real quick right there, what he's saying is that when he said, I don't want an exclusivity deal, but I'll still put my game on your store, he was told by Epic, no, you can't put your game on our store unless it's exclusive. That's bonkers. That's that's bad. That's really bad business. And that's that's really, really bad. Um, you sought after them so much. You wanted them so badly for an exclusivity deal. You're willing to pay them a bunch of money, but you weren't willing to put the game on the store and just make money off of regular sales that weren't exclusive. That's, that's weird. You get finger guns. That's weird. Um, it goes on to say dark came out on steam this week and Marhalit said that he'll quote unquote, probably make less money selling through steam than he would have if he had accepted Epic's deal which included a minimum revenue guarantee. The idea of getting some upfront payment on top of guaranteed revenue sounds great, but he didn't want to break a promise to players who expected to buy the game on Steam, he had said. Quote, turning down the Epic exclusivity offer might have been a foolish decision in the short term considering the amount of money that might have been involved. When thinking long term, however, this was an easy and obvious decision to make in my case. I actually, the, and so the first thing I want to say about him is that he's smart. He, he knows that that this is a long game and he knows that he could, he could he's thinking long-term smart short-term I don't even want to say short-term stupid but he's thinking out and he's already and he's, he's doing a great job of walking the line here and I'll point out more examples as it goes on because he says right here it is an obvious decision to make in my case <laughs> um quote pulling the game off steam a few days after steam release date announcement would forever ruin the credibility of my studio i would like for my customers to have confidence that my word means something especially when making announcements as crucial as release date and platform he wanted to give players as many options as possible he said he's also selling the game through gog for example I wish the Epic Store would allow indie games to be sold there non-exclusively as they do with larger, still unreleased games like Cyberpunk 2077 so players can enjoy what they want. A choice. Marhalit stressed that he's not speaking on behalf of other developers and that for some studios, accepting an Epic exclusivity deal might be the best plan long term. Every indie studio has a unique story and has to deal with a unique set of obstacles. The reasons are mine and mine only. Rejecting such offer happened to be right for my game, but might not be right for other games or studios, as their goals and long-term plans might differ from mine. So I'm going to stop there before I finish this up and just say, he's really smart. One, he's walking a fine line talking about how this is what you should do as a developer, but just me. So that way he's not offending other developers. He He's really, this is really good, um like walk in the line. I actually, I'm, I'm kind of impressed by this Epic game CEO, Tim Sweeney commented on the case on Twitter after Mark Kern team lead for vanilla world of Warcraft said it was not right for Epic to disqualify dark from the Epic game store just because they turned down an exclusivity offer. So here we have some of that exchange here. Um, so Mark Kern went on to say the devs of dark were approached by Epic for an exclusivity deal. They turned it down but the, but the Epic refused to put them on the store. If true, that's not right. And now Tim Sweeney actually replied to that. Um, and he said, Hi, Mark. We're still in the early hand-curated days of the Epic Game Store where we can only accommodate a small number of releases. 
see the launch announcement. And basically he links to the announcement of the store. Like, okay, it's kind of bad, but okay. He goes on to say, we prioritize a, un- a small number of games that brings unique value in some way, such as exclusive games, major releases, and key indie titles. <laughs> right now, we can only accommodate about 10% of the games that developers would like to release on the store, and each criteria adds weight. And then the first Twitter uh, reply is great. Sure, 90% of that weight being whether or not they accept your exclusivity deal. <laughs> um, uh and they go on to say, eventually we'll open up much more widely, but we have to approach this store launch one step at a time. I, I guess I'm getting sick of that point. Um, you know, I, I was on the Epic, like, give them time wagon for a bit, but this is something that now you're hiding behind that, like, as an excuse. Like, hey, we're the new guys. We're, we're the new guys. You are a, a multi-million dollar company, like, majority owned by a multi-billion dollar company. So I don't want to hear this like we're just the little guys, you know. We gotta we gotta build this up, everybody. We got you start from scratch, you know. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And uh, and so you can't hide behind that. I just think that's really crappy. Uh, and so this person goes, yeah, I get it. I just don't understand why trying to make it the only option for buying the game to pull in new users. That's all I can imagine, and that's still not really curation based on the game itself, but rather on how it can make you money, which is the exact point. Um, and so then Tim Sweeney, to, to be fair, he stay, he stays in the comments. He's ducking and swinging. He's staying here. The pace at which we can release new games is limited by the size of the store team and tech team at Epic. Again, that's just, that's an excuse. You're Epic for crying out loud. You can hire like 20 people in a week. Just get it done. Get it done. You got the money. Just get it done. If you really want to get it done, that's what it comes down to. They don't want to get it done. If they wanted to get anything done, they could get anything done. They want to. And such so is kind of the back and forth of them trying to justify it. Uh, this really, and I've said this before on this podcast, I'm not an Epic Game Store hater. I don't hate it. I don't have an issue with it yet, but I feel like they're trying very hard to get me to kind of hate it. I'm re- they really, they're trying very, very hard. Uh, I, I don't hate the Epic Game Store. I'll use it when I need to. It's fine. But stuff like this, where you take an indie dev, you want his game bad enough to offer exclusivity, but not enough to let him on the store if you don't take the exclusivity. And so here's what I also learned from from this was that basically, and I guess this is probably obvious, they are cherry picking directly from games that I think have already announced Steam releases. Like they're trying to attack Steam. They're not just going after a developer and saying, hey, you want to sign with us? We'll give you money. We think your game would be great value. They're specifically going after developers that have Steam pages set up. His game was like the 10th most wish listed game or something like that on Steam dark was so you they're purposely going after stuff like that like they're going after games that are dug into the steam community trying to pull them away so in my opinion as much as i've said earlier that the epic game store can be good for developers that is not a good move for developers because sometimes it's hard to pass up the money right in front of you you may not be able to keep your studio open if you don't take that money but you take that money and you lose all your credibility and sometimes that's worth more than cash in my opinion Especially when you have something that's built on on a fan base like like the game industry is. Um, so, uh, case in point, um, also about a week ago, the developers of Oddworld Soulstorm was going Epic exclusive as well, and so then they released a statement talking about it on their Facebook page, or no, they uh, is this a Twitter picture? Eh, whatever, it's a picture or something, doesn't matter. Um, this was what Oddworld tweeted out: a message from Lauren. I would like to address the entire Oddworld community, old and new. You have supported us in our artistic vision for years, and we thank you. 
Oddworld Soulstorm will be coming to PC via the Epic Games Store. The PC and console versions of the game will have a simultaneous release in 2020. What I would like to do is provide you with the reasoning that went into bringing the PC version of Soulstorm to the Epic Games Store as an exclusive because you deserve to know. We've been financing Soulstorm 100% ourselves. Soulstorm is our most ambitious game ever, and we are committed to creating a great game that meets the highest level of quality. But to create the version of Soulstorm we want and you deserve, we needed additional financial... Is that it? <laughs> we needed additional financial assistance. Ambition is important and pushes me to try to overachieve. What pushes me even more is my commitment to you. You deserve great games. As an indie publisher, we must evaluate partnerships that will help us achieve our goals while protecting our vision for Soulstorm and the Quintology. Epic supports our goal and them by and is willing to help us achieve them by providing us with an advance on our PC sales, and we are incredibly grateful. Thank you for reading. So, and then here's the first reply to the tweet. And I've been supporting devs 100% financially from my own wallet for decades. Guess what I won't be doing? Buying your game. Enjoy the blacklist. It is really weird because, and this is something I have an issue with. I've talked about this on the podcast before as well. Something I have an issue with is people talk about being all about the developers, right? We talk about crunch is bad for developers. We got to think about the devs. Um, publishers are the enemy. Developers are, are, are perfect. We want to take care of the developers. This is a company right here that came out and said, look, we don't know if we can make this game if we don't take this money. Again, do I think it's long-term smart? No, I don't. This is PR damage that oftentimes you never get to repair. As they say, you never get a second chance to make a first impression with people. But they came out and said it. This is a really, like, they were totally open and honest about it. said, here is what we're presenting to you. Here, here's why we're doing it. We hope you understand. We appreciate everything. Very humble. You know, here it is. First comments, screw you, we won't buy it. <laughs> and these might be people that wouldn't buy it anyway. You know, there's always that. But this is a company that that came out and said, like, with a legitimate reason, like, hey, man, it's struggling, you know. And again, these customers say, we, don't, we love developers. We're trying to support you all we can. Oh, you took some of the Epic Game Store money? Screw you. <laughs> well, if they don't take that money, what if they're not around anymore? Then they don't make any money. Then who do you who do you yell at? Do you yell at uh, the developers then for not making the right business moves to stay open? When the right business move would have also made you yell at them? Like sometimes it's an, what I call a no-win situation. You just, you got put into this situation where they needed the money. And again, I, I wouldn't do it. Personally, I wouldn't do it. I, I would I would try to hold my ground a little bit more. But I also am not developing a, a multi-million dollar game with like a staff of 50 people that all have jobs and families that rely on me either. So sometimes you got to make decisions, what you think is best for your company, your people, and your family. And so I understand that. Uh, however, <laughs> it's it's like this, this we love developers, we'll do anything for developers until it, until it goes against something I like. And then developers are, who cares? They're greedy. Now they're greedy developers. So it's funny when we talk about that because that goes back to, you know, the... Uh, it goes back to the Epic Store thing, kind of poaching very specific titles. And one of the last things uh, that I wanted to talk about was, uh, I don't know if I have the tweet for, but basically the last thing that the developer of Dark had said, and again, another very fine line walking was he said, you know what, 
I everything was very professional. Epic Game Store is very nice. It just was it just wasn't a deal that made sense for me and my studio at this time. And so he he knows that he's not closing doors, not burning bridges, I guess I would say. And and so it's smart. But oh my goodness, I, I'm the Epic Game Store is really trying hard to get me to dislike these sort of practices. And I believe competition's good, and I do believe that Steam needs a viable competitor. And I love GOG. I buy in there when I can. Um but it's not big enough yet. And and I want to see, like, if someone could come up and challenge Steam, it'd be good. We're going to see more sales. Um, we're going to see people treating devs better, uh, offering more of a cut to get developers on their store. Although, maybe then it just becomes the war of the exclusives. And then they just pay a bunch of money to get the big games on their system exclusively. So, I don't know. I don't like it. Uh, I, I don't like it one bit. And I just feel like these, these small-time devs are being put in situations where they have to make these decisions that are, are no-win situations. Either we take the money and we're awful, or we don't take the money and we risk closing. And, and not, neither is a really great choice between the two. All right, so that's it for stories for today. So let's, uh, let's uh, get to the good stuff here. I was prepared, but now it's all... Uh, now my computer's all cattywampus. All right, so it's time, everybody. Oh, come on now. <laughs> it's, I guess, not time yet. <laughs> uh, I have to show the desktop. So I've got WoW in the background. It's, it's blowing everything up. Um, okay, hold on. Pause that. Move this over here. Now we're, now we're cooking with gas. That's why you have two monitors, people. Oh, okay. So then over here, we got OBS running over here. OBS running over here. And we have our... All right, now it's time. This drum... <laughs> that was the worst drum roll of all time. And, uh, and it is time for our Game of the Week. I don't think it's playing... All right, so game of the week. Today I picked out again from the NES. We're going through our NES games. I pulled out Marble Madness. So Marble Madness is a, it's an old arcade game. It's great. It used to come with like a rollerball, and you'd roll a marble along like an isometric uh, mock 3D looking level, and you would have to roll this marble. It used actual marble physics. You had to like roll this marble up and down hills around traps and things really fun game time so it's almost like a race like get your marble to the to the tunnel at the end uh fun fact about this game it was developed by mark cerny if that name's familiar to you that's the P architect on the ps4 hardware so the guy who was like the main architect on the ps4 made marble madness uh but a really fun game it's an old arcade game the nes version's pretty true to the arcade roots and i don't know it's not really really else anything else to say about it. just really fun uh, and difficult. Uh, the music is really kind of droning on and on and on, but it's fun. And, uh, it's a it's a good time. It's a good time for all the kids. All right, I gotta do this again. Oh, this is so difficult. I gotta figure out a better way. With WoW in the background, it's messing me all up. So, okay. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll put this over here. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't know how I'll fix it. Fix it real good. No, now it's time for our pickup pile of the week. Alright, pick up pile of the week. So if you don't know, if this is your first time listening, these are all the games I bought over the last week since the last podcast. And I have five games today. Um, so up first, EverQuest Online Adventures Frontiers. <laughs> so this was a PS2 EverQuest game. Uh, this is the expansion called Frontiers. I never actually played this when it was out. I played EverQuest Online Adventures, and I actually kind of liked it. It was it was busted and janky, you know, it was a console MMO, but it worked. And so this was Frontiers. I never really got to play the Frontiers expansion, though. I, I had I had been long gone since that came out, but I always wanted to. And I, I know the servers are offline now, but I wonder if there's private server set up out there somewhere. That'd be sweet. Uh, next up, again, not really, not any real bangers or anything this week, but I picked up a copy of Ridge Racer 5 for PS2. Uh, I love the Ridge Racer games since the PS1 days, but I never really got into it on the PS2 and 3. So I'm going to pick these up and, and probably give them a good go. But Ridge Racer, it's a, it's like a closed course circuit racing. It's fun. Um, I got a use, I got my import copy of Final Fantasy 3 for the PSP. So in the U.S., we got the DS version of Final Fantasy 3. It was like a 3D remake. I think it was made by the people that made Bravely Default. And so I always wanted to play it, but I hate handhelds. So the PSP, I can play um, uh, hooked up to my TV. So I always wanted to have it. So it's cool. So I got Final Fantasy 3, a Japanese import for PSP. Uh, I picked up, and I can't believe I didn't have this. I actually could not believe I didn't have this. Picked up Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle for the Switch. That's like a tactical um, turn-based co-op shooter it's like XCOM but Mario and Rabbids and then I thought this would be fun especially since I take my Switch with me on trips but I picked up the Genesis collection for the Switch because if I'm gonna take my Switch along it's better to do something like this than to try to like hack it and have all these extra emulators and stuff on it it's just probably easier just to get 50 games from the Sega Genesis on there so um, but yeah so that is it for the pickup pile of the week I got my listener question here so let me let me bring that up here. We'll get to the listener question, and that'll be it for today. So here we are. Um, okay. Do you think there is a difference between nitpicking and constructive criticism? Do you think it's fair to compare a game with games that are similar to it? For example, any very difficult RPG with Dark Souls or any military first-person shooter with Call of Duty? So there's a couple questions in there. So the first one... Um, what do you think the difference is between nitpicking and constructive criticism? That's a great question. And this isn't just in, uh, this isn't just connected with developers of video games. This is in all things in life. Uh, the difference between nitpicking and constructive criticism is all about how you say it. <laughs> it's like the words don't matter. It's all about your intent and the tone that you use to deliver that message. So for instance, if someone wanted to come to my store and they walk in and they go, I can't see the top row of these games. It's really stupid. You have games on the top row here. I can't see the price. And I'm like, uh, okay. Or if somebody walks in and goes, uh, you know, if you ever get a chance, I notice it's really hard to see these game prices up here. If you could ever lower the shelves a little bit, it might help people see them. It's the same comment. You're saying that the shelves are too high and you can't see the price, but one is based toward one is trying to help. And one's trying to, well nitpick quite frankly so yeah uh that is something that makes total sense to me um 
it's all about the tone, all about how you say it. It's all about how, what, what message you're trying to get across. Are you trying to irritate the person? And some people are just naturally abrasive. Like I work in customer service and have been for how old am I? 23 years, right? So I've been working video game retail for 19 years and I've been doing 23 years of customer service. So like some people just don't understand they're being abrasive. Like some people come in, like I had, I had, I had someone come in the other day who, who walked in with like a, uh, an item to sell and he walked in and I kid you not, he got halfway to the counter and he, and he just kind of puts his hands up in the air a little bit and he goes, Oh, it's you. Oh man. You always give me the worst prices, man. Oh man. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I was like, what? I almost like, fell out of my chair and I wasn't even sitting down. That's how impressive it was. And I was like, uh, and I was like, uh, and he goes, Oh no, no, I'm just kidding. I was just messing with him. Like, okay, that's kind of a bad joke, but okay. And then we're there. And then, and then like he mumbles under his breath. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm kind of joking. I mean, it's like, like whenever you're here, I don't give very much, but like the other guys, I get like, I walk out with like hundred bucks sometimes. And I think to myself, well, but doesn't that ma- depend on what you bring in? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not, I don't know. It's just weird. You know, it's just a weird thing, but I don't think he meant to be abrasive. I don't think he meant to insult me, but he, everything he was saying was in an insulting way. Like he could have said, Hey, you know, um, do the prices vary between the different people that are working? Cause I feel like sometimes when you're here, I don't get as much money as I do with the other guys. And then I would say, Oh, well that's weird. And then I actually, I did say this to him later, but I said, well, I train them. So I know what they're paying. And yeah. So, I mean, I, they follow my system and I use my system that I created from scratch. So, I mean, yada, yada, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, um, I don't know. So some people just don't get it, I guess. But, but yeah, some people also just like to be jerks and they don't want constructive criticism. They just want to criticize you. And then it's like, okay, well, and they get, they get their jollies from making you upset, makes them feel good about themselves. That's just some, some people. So, uh, and then secondly, do you think it's fair to compare a game that is similar dark souls with difficult RPGs and military shooters with FPS, like call of duty? Um, yes, it's fair but there's other factors. So I say this all the time, like days gone is a good example. Days gone was the recent zombie first person or first party game from Sony on the PS4. And one of the first reviewers that came out, I actually challenged her on Twitter about it. She's a IGN. She works at IGN or used to work at IGN and Alana Pierce. And I challenged her on it. And I said, well, cause she said something like, Oh, days gone is not nearly as good as other Sony first party exclusives like God of war and last of us. And you're like, Okay, but was that your expectation? <laughs> because it's not made by the same studio. So you can't compare apples and oranges. Like if you want to compare day like if you want to compare if Days Gone was made by the people who made God of War and you want to compare the quality of the cinematics of God of War to Days Gone, I think that's more than fair. Um, but a lot of games also copy games, right? So then you have games like like other shooters that copy Call of Duty. So is it fair to compare them when one is clearly inspired by the other? Yeah, I'd probably say so. Um, but again, you have to look at other factors, and one would be the amount of budget that the game has. Is it made by five people in a basement or five hundred people in a in a in an Activision, you know, game farm? So there's a lot of different factors that go into it: budget, marketing, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and so it's a little frustrating when we is I think comparing's fair as long as you compare appropriate items apples to apples oranges to oranges as they say um yeah that's it so thank you everybody as always for listening and watching uh if you're listening to this on soundcloud you can listen on itunes and now on spotify i up i updated it and put it on spotify as well 
And of course, you can catch clips of the stories on YouTube. I would love it, love it, love it, love it if everybody who listened could subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already. It's youtube.com slash drop rate. Uh, is a collaborative YouTube channel with the three of us, myself, Jeremy, and Jordan. And then uh, we also stream our podcast live on Twitch. It's called The Dropcast. Obviously not this one. This is Game Talk Radio. Dropcast, we stream every Monday, usually around 7 p.m. on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash the drop rate. And it's about time that I start telling people that it's getting close to the charity. Uh, I'm going to start linking the, the charity link soon. Um, I'll be doing my 24-hour live stream for charity. I would love if some of the listeners would come in and chat and say, hey, I've been listening to your podcast and like introduce yourself. You know, that'd be cool. I'd really like to, I know I get to interact with YouTube watchers every now and then when they leave comments, but I don't often get to interact with the podcast listeners. Um, so that's coming up. That's the first week in November. Um, but September and October are going to fly. Um, in fact, the podcast may be on a really weird schedule for the next couple months. This schedule's kind of effed. Uh, Dom's taking vacation in August. I'm taking vacation right after he gets back in October. I'm actually going to Ireland. I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, yeah, so it'll be a good time. But thank you as everybody. Always, always, always thank you for listening and watching. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good day. Bye-bye.